Hey, let's go to the book of Galatians. Man, welcome. I'm so glad to share God's word with you. My name's Aaron, and um, I love getting to serve Jesus through this church. Um, my friend, Pastor Jesus, is here today. So I'm so glad you made it, Pastor Jesus. And I told Beth, hey, Jesus just texted me, and he's coming to church today. And I was like, she's like, Jesus has always come to church, isn't he? But he's really coming today. I mean, he is here, embodied in our, in our midst. So... What's an honor to have you and your family visit us today. So the book of Galatians, chapter 1, the title of my message today is Living the Only Gospel. And that's what we're going to do. There's only one gospel, and that's the gospel that we want to live. If you're able to, let's stand for the reading of God's word. It's just a way to remind us that his word is to be honored. And at the conclusion of this reading, I will present this as the word of the Lord. And if you choose to, you can agree with me and say, thanks be to God. Starting with verse six, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to change the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than what we have preached to you, a curse beyond him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to win the favor of people or God? Or am I, am, I trying, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel preached by me is not based on a human point of view, for I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by revelation from Jesus Christ. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So a few years ago, we were getting Christmas presents and, and starting to organize that. Actually, it was way before we even started that. This was like in October. And Beth told me, she said, there is a group that is so popular that they're having a concert next August. But if we buy their tickets today in October, I can give it to Abby, my daughter, for Christmas. And this is probably five years ago, at least, because Abby wasn't driving. This amazing group, there's the Beatles, there's the Rolling Stones, and then evidently there was this group called One Direction, and they were, they were like it, you know? And so it was, like a, it was quite a process to get One Direction tickets. She was like, you know, at midnight logging on and, you know, texting other friends how to get tickets and where are the best seats, and just this was going to be the epic Christmas gift. I mean, it's One Direction, you know, a musical masterpiece, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before they even started, uh, the Pop Hall of Fame, I guess, a whole new genre. So um, here it was, now Christmas was here, and it had been four months, you know, since, since we had bought these tickets. And now Abby, she is um, a, quite a good actress, if you've ever seen her. She can really act well. Well, she opened this gift and, you know, the cameras were out because we're ready to see her act in an animated way. Well, she, one, one time that she doesn't act is when she's talking to her dad because I can see immediately in her face what's on her emotions. And she looked at those tickets and guys, it was a fail, man. You could just, I could just see in her face that this was not hitting the mark. And she then tried to fake it. But after you know, a couple of hours of Christmas glow. She's like, I don't really like One Direction anymore. 
that fast? Like four months ago, you were pledging your allegiance for life to them. So we repeated this same process with uh, Luke, my next kid, with country music. And we got some kind of country star. I can't even keep up with country star. Once, you know, George Strait went off the scene, I went off the scene too. Uh But there's now these guys with all this embroidered stuff and, you know, on them and singing something that's supposed to be country music. But Luke liked one of those guys. It might have been a girl. I don't even know. Uh, But uh, we bought tickets for him and thought this is going to be a great you know, birthday gift. And sure enough, by the time birthday came around, he didn't like that country artist anymore. So just last month, now the the third one is with me. I'm not going to buy him any concert tickets. So he's on his own, you know, he's definitely on his own. But we went on this, uh, this trip out to Arizona. It's just me and mom and, and Lincoln. And, um, you know, the whole trip, we're in the car for hours together. I I thought we're going to have great conversation. He had his headphones in the whole time, right? So I'm trying to be cool, dad. I'm trying to connect. So I took it off like uh, the stuff I listened to and and put it on like a general hits. And there was a group that I remembered that Lincoln loved this group. In fact, he had tried to get money together for a concert. So cool, dad, I reached back and I tap him on the knee and I said, hey, listen to what's on. And he was like, Oh, dad, yeah, I liked them in like eighth grade. (laughs) Three whole years ago. I mean, I missed it. So here it is. You you know how it is. Teenagers, they shift allegiance so fast. I mean, just boom, shift allegiance. And by the time you figure out they like something, if here's the secret, once they know you like something, it's not cool anymore, right? That's why no teenagers are ever on Facebook. It's for us grandparents now. I'm not even a grandparent yet, but that's what Facebook is for, yeah. In fact, my, my daughter told me the only reason I'm on Facebook is to keep up with my grandmas. And so that's just how it is now. But by the, time, by the time, you know, we think something is cool, they've already shifted. There, there is a, a shift, a change of mind, something that happens really fast. And this is what Paul was alluding to, or not really even alluding to, hitting head on when he wrote these churches in Galatia. Galatia was a region, it's a group of churches. And he said, I left, and now I'm hearing that you've shifted. You've shifted. In fact, you are in the middle of shifting right now. You're changing your mind about something very important. And let me tell you what that is. And that's, this is a little theological term here, justification by faith. Meaning this, is that Jesus... And what he did for us is the only reason we have access to heaven and everything God has. It's not through works. It's not through morality. You know, it's not through behavioral modification. Those are all good things to do. And and the result of a relationship with Jesus does produce those, those type of changes in our life. But those changes are not what help us earn favor with God. And as I told you last week when we started this series, a group now we call Judaizers came in and said, you have to be Jewish before you can get to Jesus. And Paul is saying, guys, since I've left you, things have shifted. Things are changing as we speak. You started out understanding this is all about Jesus and all about what he did, but now you're adding works to it. You're shifting on us. And so here's my first category today is a different gospel. There is what Paul's saying, this 
different gospel out there. What's the word gospel mean? It means good news. It's the whole story of God pursuing man. It's the whole story of God choosing man. It's the whole story of God becoming man. It's the whole story of God saving man. It's good news for those who have bad news. The bad news is without God, we're not qualified for heaven and there's no righteousness in our own and within us, about us, but with God, we're all the way in. That's the good news of Jesus. And now Paul's saying, there's a different gospel since I left three years ago. I'm hearing there's a different message now. You've shifted. And, And actually, you're shifting right now. And so let's reread the scripture. He said this, I'm amazed. I mean, kind of like I was at Christmas morning. Are you kidding? She already doesn't like One Direction? It costs a lot of money. I'm amazed that you are so quickly, and here's the phrase, you can see it on the screen, you are turning away. You are shifting. It's like a military term. You're abandoning your post so quickly from him who called you by the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a, and here's, here's the point, the category here, a different gospel. Not the pure gospel, not the gospel that I brought you, Paul says, not the gospel about justification by faith. It's a gospel of justification by works. The whole system that didn't work, and that's why Jesus had to come. Now, here's interesting. He said, you're following, a ter- you're, you're following a different gospel. But then as we read on in verse seven, he actually gives a qualifier here. Not that there is another gospel. So he's not saying like, there's not like A, B, or C, and you choose A. He, he actually qualifies what he already said. Not that there is another gospel. There, there, there's, there's not another gospel. There's one good news. There's one faith. There's one way. And, and you're now shifting And you're following something different. But there are some, these are the Judaizers I was telling you about, who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now here's a very very important scripture, verse eight, especially for you mystics out there. And I wanna say this with respect. Some of you guys and gals are mystics, which means like if you hear about anything, just like, woo, out there. Like I wanna go. There's a conference in Bucks, North Tennessee, where the fire of God's there. I want to go. That's that's a beautiful thing when we're we're following the presence of the Lord. But this is an important scripture for guys like you and me. I'm a little bit like that. I'm a little bit like that. That's why I can speak into that. So verse 8, even if we, even if Aaron, our pastor Josh, our pastor Deborah, even if we are an angel from heaven, here's an important part, an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one, what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. Verse nine, as we have said before, I now say again, he's gonna make this really clear. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Paul is in a very defensive mode here. In fact, just even the structure of this book of Galatians, he's like, I'm getting down to business right now. I'm not gonna give you any kind of fancy prayer or name a bunch of names. I'm saying, okay, let's get down to business. I am surprised, guys. I am, I am shocked how quickly you are shifting. I am shocked how quickly you are abandoning what I taught you. In fact, I, I just want you to know this, that even if I came back to you or an angel from heaven came to you and preached you something different than what we preached in the beginning, 
I'm going to say this strongly, a curse be on him. I mean, this was a strong defense of the gospel right here. He, he's saying that false teachers who are coming in, who's, who, are, who are trying to say, yeah, it's what Jesus did on the cross and you acting right. It's what Jesus did on the cross and you saying certain words. It's what Jesus did on the cross and, you know, how, how much you can get your act together. Now, we know it's a little more complicated than that because they were talking about days of the week. They were talking about certain types of foods. They were talking about Levitical law, which are, you know, in, in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. But you understand the point I'm making today is that Jesus is it. That's one of the reasons why communion is such an important part of our faith because it, it reminds us like what we do is not revolved around the quality of music or the entertainment of preaching. It's revolved around Jesus Christ and the elements reminds us the bread and the cup. Jesus is the center of our faith. He is it. He is in the middle of it. And now he's saying some of you are turning away. You are in the process of turning away. I, I think about this a lot. You know, it's funny what we think about in the quiet moments of the night when we're laying our heads on our pillow. And I wonder, you know, I know that, you know, we've had so many people leave our church through the years. And we have had so many people come to our church through the years. But I've wondered, you know, what, when is it? Like when someone gets in their car and they're driving down the hill and they think, you know, I, I'm done with CIL. Like, did it happen in the sermon? Did it happen in the parking lot? Did it happen in the bathroom? I don't know. I mean, when does that moment happen? And, and yeah, I don't really like that. You know, I think it's good to be faithful to one church. But yeah, there are times when people change churches. And if people want to go to one of these great churches in Hendersonville or Gallatin, that's cool. They're still in the faith. We're still family. You know, we're still about Jesus. I don't like it, but I've learned to live with it and all that. But but. When do people, that, that's, that's just where we sit on Sundays, I guess. It's not just where we sit, but you understand. But when do people just say, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done observing my faith. I'm just, I mean, I, I'm just, you know, church isn't that important to me. And a disciplined life's not important to me. I mean, I'm just kind of done with Jesus. And what's scary is things are on the line every Sunday. I mean, every time we have a youth service, teenagers' faith is on the line. I mean, every time we have a 242, I mean, is that going to be the last 242 someone goes to? And they're going to be one of those people that said, yeah, 20 years ago, we used to go to small groups. I mean, everything we do, is something's on the line. And, and we just, we are people drift, 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 drift. And you're going to see through this book of Galatians, Paul is saying, Come on, don't, you're in the middle of shifting. You're in the middle of changing. You're in the middle of, of following a different gospel, even though there's really not a different gospel. I'd say that the different gospel for us is the gospel of accommodation, accommodating to culture, accommodating to our preferences, accommodating to our options. And, and the, you know, we're shifting. Every time I read this scripture, I do think about an American religion that, that I want to just spend a few minutes talking about. And I've never read this scripture and not thought of Mormons and Mormonism. And I want to say that the Mormon people that I know, I have so enjoyed uh, interacting with them. And I just think that there is so much alignment that 
Protestant Christians can have with people of the Mormon faith as far as their family values and, and so many great things. But this scripture is like a prophetic scripture to what happened through Joseph Smith in the early 19th century. Joseph Smith was 14 years old. He's the founder of Mormonism. When he said, this would be really popular today, no Christian denomination is accurate. He was ahead, he was ahead of his time on that. But when he was 17, he said there was an angel named Morani who came to him. This was in upstate New York and gave him a special revelation that was in addition to the Bible. And it was something that made the Bible complete. And so here it is that, here it is, this is the fastest growing religion in the world, the last time I checked on something like that. And, and there, are, there are Christian um, threads through it. But there are many, many reasons. It's a different gospel, which means it's not the gospel. And, and we can, I can talk to you more about that at times, but great people, and there's great things, the ones that I've known, and there's some great alignment. But guys, it's a different gospel, which means it's no gospel. Because even if an angel appears to you in the woods of New York, upstate New York, and there's been no verification, no one's ever seen these golden tablets, but Joseph Smith claimed a gold tablet came and inscripted, an angel inscripted these words that now are the Book of Mormon. Even if that happens, Paul's saying, if it's different gospel, there's a curse on that. That's no gospel at all. So this is why Galatians has been canonized. It's one of the scriptures that we hold as the word of God. It's greater than the pilgrim's progress. It's greater than the purpose-driven life. I'm sorry, I don't want to step on any toes, but, but it, it's greater than, and I forgot the name of it, the, um, man, my punchline just got ruined, man. <laughs> What's the devotional everyone's like these last five years where Jesus says, I'm your, I'm your friend, I'm going to get you through the day? Jesus calling. It's not, it's greater than the Jesus calling, even though the Jesus calling is an amazing piece of literature, right up with the great books of the world. It's different. It's different. It's, it's part of the 27 books we say are holy. And so nothing that comes along will equal this revelation from the book of Galatians. And Jesus Calling is a good book, by the way. I like it. Even if a new revelation is accredited by miracles... If it's not part of the original gospel, it can lead you into deception. You know, I've always been amazed in my ministry where people have told me, you know, you know I've said, like, this, this pastor is really teaching false doctrine that is not in the creeds of the church. It's not in the New Testament. But have you been to their meetings? No. And I'm not going to go. <laughs> but have you heard how powerful they are? No. Because they're not teaching scripture, not teaching uh, what has been affirmed as scripture by the church fathers. It's a different gospel. You know, one of the issues that most pastors have, if they're, if they're any good, 
is that we, we are people pleasers. Because part of, you know, accumulating a congregation, especially if you're planning a church or maintaining a congregation, is you, you, you have to have some level of charisma. Like I've heard some people who've wanted to plan a church. I'm like, don't plan a church. Please don't plan a church because you have no personality. It would have to be God. I mean, it would have to be God Almighty, you know? I mean, you, you've got to have like a personality to, to make people think you're likable and, and you have something interesting to say. Um, and so then you become the pastor and you're not a CEO, but sometimes you have to function as a CEO. Now, I want to say this is that I'm, a C, I'm, not a, I'm not a CEO, I'm a pastor. Sometimes I wish I was a CEO because if I was a CEO, this is what I would be saying a lot of the times. That is not a good idea. That is a bad idea. That is a stupid idea. I know that's not going to work. But because I love people, I can't say that all the time. So I have to try to convince them that their idea is not going to work. Because I want them to like me and I want to shepherd their soul. And I want them to be able to receive from me on Sunday morning. And if they think I'm a jerk and tell them that their idea is no good, then they're not going to receive from me. And so eventually, sometimes I just get to the point. Man, I'm kind of showing my cards here, but... I don't know if I can use this anymore, but I, I say this a lot. I just want you to know that I'm doing this because I love you. And it's true. That's like saying, this is not a good idea. You're not going to let it go. You're not going to listen to me. You're not going to have an understanding. I'm just doing this because I love you. Um, and, and it would be so much easier just to be the CEO of an organization. It's like, that's not what we're going to do. And sometimes that does have to happen. But Here's the, the, the hard part, and you can relate this to your life, is some of the characteristics that make you get to a certain place in your career or even in your family can be counterintuitive to hearing the voice of God. And so this is a conflict that, like, if you're going to start a small group, you're going to start a youth group, you're going to start something, you want to be likable, you want people to like you, you want to have social skills, you want to have social intelligence to be able to read the mood of a room, you want to be able to not blow up things relationally, but relate to people. Um, but then sometimes God says, either through his word or through revelation of his word to a specific situation, hey, th- this, you need to take a stand here. You need to take a stand And there's been a temptation that started in the Garden of Eden when Eve wanted to please the serpent and then Adam wanted to please Eve. That much of our behavior is driven by the desire to be liked. And that's why my second category today is same temptation. The same temptation from the beginning of humanity that we deal with right now. We want people to like us. And I, I, I want to read the scripture, and then I'll, I'll give some more comments on this. Galatians 1.10. He's given this argument. Am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. He's, he's, he's basically defending the gospel and saying, if I wanted you guys to like me, I would tell you what you're doing is okay. <laughs> but I'm not trying to please you. I'm trying to please God. If, if I wanted to find a compromise, let, let's compromise on the message of Jesus and Judaism. Uh, let's do that. And so this whole idea of faith plus works kind of works, kind of is, 
is uh, relevant to today, but he's like, man, I'm not, I'm trying to please God, not people. I, I want to just say this. I think that m- many of the choices we make today do not come from intellectually wrestling with ideas. It comes from being, wanting to be accepted by a people group. I, I see that in my life. So let me speak to my life. I see issues and I'm like, I like those people over there. I like I just like them. So because I like them and I want them to like me, I want to believe the things that they believe. And that's, that's sloppy thinking. It's sloppy thinking. On the other hand, there, there might be a group that believes in something and I just think they're strange and I don't like their demeanor, but I believe the truth of what they believe. And I'll, I'll give you an example of something. I wasn't going to give an example of this, but I'll go ahead and do it. I am a Zionist, and I love, I believe it's important that we have the nation of Israel as a refuge for Jewish people, and I can give a whole argument for that. And I have followed, I have followed that movement for a long time. I don't particularly like the is pro-Israel crowd. I don't like to hang out with them at the soda shop. And I have my reasons for that. But I like their cause. I like their cause. And, 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 and so it's not a subculture that I'm trying to find personality identity with. You know, I'm, I'm not for Israel just because I, I want to, you know, I want to be accepted by people who are pro-Israel. I'm pro-Israel because of what the scripture says and what logic says in the 21st century. And so it is that I've been among groups of pastors who have a poor, who I like to hang out with, but they have a poor attitude about Zionism. And they're all given poor attitudes about Zionism. And I'm like, sorry guys, the truth is the truth. I don't care if I'm not the cool guy at the table here. Truth is truth. And I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to believe what you believe and lead from your convictions, and it doesn't matter if, if you have some social ostracism, you might end up leading that whole group of people. Let's be leaders, not followers. And when it comes to thought, live out of your conviction. Don't live out of your desire for social acceptance. And I see that clearly with Paul. I go get my car wash occasionally, and I hope you do too, because Washing your car in your front yard, I mean, it's counterproductive because the hose gets grass on the car again, and it just, it just, it just doesn't work out. By the time you gra- drag the hose there, the grass blows on the car anyway. So anyway, that's just my personal conviction, and I'm living out of it right now. So you go and you, you buy your car wash, and they have, you know, for, fi- for 5 or $6, you have a basic car wash, which probably does the job. For $10, uh, you have the super car wash. That's four bucks more to go from basic to super. But guys, for $15, $13, whatever it is, there is the ultimate car wash. It's like you pay. You pay three times more than what you would normally pay. And it's a car wash like no other car wash you will ever have. Uh, It's a car wash you will never have to have again in your whole life. That's kind of what the term ultimate is. It's supposed to communicate. How many know that the term ultimate has lost its meaning? 
You know, like we're going to have the ultimate cheeseburger. If I'm going to have the ultimate cheeseburger, I'm going to be like, I will never eat a cheeseburger again. That was the ultimate. That was the ultimate. It was so good. I will never eat. No cheeseburger will touch my lips again because that's the ultimate cheeseburger. That, that's what the word ultimate is supposed to mean. But now it's just, it's become this real tired word. But it's the only word I could come up with for my last category. And I tried to find an equivalent. So I want you to hear it in its original meaning, not in what we apply to car washes and to cheeseburgers. That's this. Is ultimate means it's the highest. There's no comparison. It represents something that is beyond all limits and there's no further need for progress. The investigation is over. The analysis is over because it will be impossible to find something greater than the ultimate. And what Paul is saying here is that there is in our gospel an ultimate source, incomparable, case closed, search over, argument no longer, no comparison. And that's who our God is. Look at verse 11. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For it did, I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. And this was confirmed by James and John and Peter and the church. So this is why it's different than since I brought him up already, Joseph Smith saying, I've got a revelation from Jesus Christ. You know, I could come up here today. I've got a revelation from Jesus Christ and it's different than anything you've ever heard. Paul's revelation from Jesus Christ was affirmed by the other apostles in the book of Acts, by James, the brother of Jesus, by Peter, by John. He was considered an apostle. That's why these words are valuable. These words are anointed. These words are sacred. These words are the end. These words change everything. And he asserted this. His words were canonized as special, as unique. They're not on the same level. Matchless, incomparable, supreme, unique. And here's a word that you have been conditioned not to like. You ready for this word? The message of Jesus is exclusive. It's exclusive in the sense that there is no comparison. It's inclusive of the whole world for God loved the whole world, the entire cosmos. But there is no improvement on the gospel. There is no alteration to the gospel. There is no competition to the gospel. There is no adaptation of the gospel. The gospel is ultimate and it's supreme. And so I want to talk to your souls. We come to a closing today. Are you shifting today? Are you shifting today? Is your allegiance shifting? Are, are you more loyal to a sports team than you are to the gospel? Are you more loyal to a country than you are the gospel? Are you more loyal to your family than you are to the gospel? Are you more loyal to your career than you are to the gospel? Guys, this is the kind of stuff that Jesus calls out. Our shifting happens. It happens so quickly that we don't even realize it. I, I want us to even look one more time at the opening verse, verse, verse six. If you could put that. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ 
and you're turning to a different gospel. I'm amazed, I'm amazed, thanks, you, don't, you can take that off now. I, I'm just, I'm shocked that you're turning away, you're shifting, you're leaving post, you're, you're abandoning, you're, 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 in your heart, you're losing loyalty, you're drifting away, and I just wanna call you guys back to loyalty to Jesus. Whatever it takes, come on, whatever it takes, get loyal to Jesus again. If you need to fast some of your entertainment, some of us, we like fasting food because it makes our pants fit better, but we don't fast the very thing that's polluting our soul. I mean, maybe you need to fast Netflix. Maybe you need to fast uh, college football. Or or maybe you need to fast travel. I don't know. Maybe you, you need to fast award shows. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm I'm telling you how to think that if anything, if anything causes you to be more loyal to an entity than to Jesus, it's a different gospel. It's a different word. It's a different way to live. And now Jesus says, come on home. Come on home right now. Come on home. You're at home with me. You're at home right here. You're at home in the kingdom. You're at home when you worship. You're at home when you're involved in church. That is who you are. That's the essence of who you are. And with the, when the kingdom is first, everything else is better. Food tastes better when you're in the kingdom of God, right? I mean, I mean the weather is, feels better. The wind feels crisper when you're in the kingdom of God. Everything is better with the Lord. Now, let's just stand together as we prepare to respond to this message. Pastor Aubrey is going to lead us into worship, and uh, we're going to pray a prayer of confession for those of you who are taking communion today. Um, There are communion packets, and you can go get those now, or as we sing worship, they're both at the back of the church, and they're in the lobby if you didn't pick that. Pick those up on this particular Sunday. I won't give instructions on when to take communion and how to take communion, but when your heart is ready, if you choose so, you can take that communion. And we'll pray our prayer of confession to the triune God just momentarily. Maybe you want to go back to Galatians chapter one and look at last week's scriptures and this week's scriptures and see what God's saying. Maybe you want to pray with someone you love. Maybe you want to come to these steps that represent an altar and just physically place yourself Uh, somewhere where you can seek the Lord. Maybe you want to just sing with Pastor Aubrey, but we are not just hearers of the word. We are doers of the word. And this teaching demands response. And it's not so much about a response in the next five to seven minutes. It's about a response in the next five to seven years, the next five to seven uh, decades. That's a long time, isn't it? Uh, it's, It's a response. It's a transformation. God, transform our hearts. I'm so glad to be under the leadership of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad to be part of the story. I'm so glad to be part of a kingdom. I'm so glad to be part of the church and the gathering. I'm so glad I'm not lost in my sins. I'm not chained down because of Jesus. I am free. I'm not free because of my own will. I'm free because he chose me and he has set his grace upon me. His grace and his peace are upon me. And I thank you, Lord, for that. So I'm going to pray this prayer of confession to the Lord that aligns my heart with Scripture. And uh, if you if you want to pray this prayer with me, I think we can put that up. And let's uh, it's a way for us to put our heart solely upon Jesus Christ. Let's pray it now. Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. 
Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world. Hey, let's spend some time with the Lord as Pastor Aubrey leads us in worship, and I'll be back in a few minutes for our benediction.